Welcome to a new episode of the I Have No Idea What I'm Doing podcast, a podcast for women doing business in Africa. Today is July 21st. My name is Paula Rogo and I'm your host. Today is the first episode out on Tuesdays. It's going to be our new release day. And I am excited to share my interview with Sonal Haria, the co-founder and CEO of Canvas Cosmetics. Canvas Cosmetics is a Kenyan-born makeup brand that is for the independent, on-the-go woman. It's a line that is known for its quality products that are made for women of all personalities, skin tones, and skin types. Now, this company first made a splash in the Kenyan market with the launch of the Nairobi Collection, which was a gorgeous line of liquid matte lipsticks that really have unmatched quality. My favorite colors from that collection, I'm a user of this product. My favorite lippies from the Nairobi Collection are the Kahawa and Bella colors, which are gorgeous. And in recent years, Canvas Cosmetics has expanded their line to include eyeshadow palettes, concealers, highlighters, lip pencils, and a really, really like bomb face mist as well. I'm a huge admirer of the brand. You'll see my standum uh, throughout the interview with Sonal. But I think... Um, my awe of the brand is based on how I first heard about it. So I'm going to tell you a quick story about this. I like to treat myself to solo happy hours um, every now and then. And last year, I was on one of those solo happy hours at one of my favorite restaurants in Westlands. It was in a Westland mall. And the manager of that particular restaurant that day happened to be serving me as I was sitting at the bar. And she had this beautiful lipstick. It was deep rouge. And she'd applied it, you know how people apply their lipstick like around their lips in like a really like in the lines she'd done it stupendously and it looked like it was not going to move anytime soon so i complimented her of course and she told me it's canvas cosmetics and i mentioned that i didn't know the brand and at that moment she told me she had something to show me again i'm sitting at the bar i have my sangria i'm chill and she took my hand laid down my drink and actually walked me out of the restaurant into the lobby of the mall and towards this small stand that was nearby. And she took me right up to the stand and told me this is Canvas Cosmetics and I should buy the products. And um, sort of in shock, I, I bought something. And to be honest, I, I bought the items based on her enthusiasm. I don't know if she was gonna get a check. I don't think she was working for the brand at all. But if she was, she would have been their very best saleswoman, the best saleswoman I'd ever seen. She literally walked me out of the restaurant in order to buy this product. And so when Sonal in the interview, when she talks about the fact that Canvas Cosmetics has strong customer loyalty to her makeup products, this is what strong customer loyalty looks like. It looks like someone recommending a product so devotedly that you walk a potential customer up 
to the stand. When Sonal talks about the brand growing through word of mouth, this is what it looks like in an extreme way, but this is what it looks like when, a, when word of mouth works. Canvas Cosmetics has a customer retention rate of over 70%. That is excellent. From my experience last year, as well as seeing the work the brand was doing and also loving the products, I love the products that they have. I knew that I really wanted to talk to Sonal about the company, about who she is, and how they've been able to achieve this early success. So in this episode, we'll be talking about how Sonal was able to build a local Kenyan brand that has strong international reach, the marketing strategies that have worked for the company, as well as learning how to be patient with the process of starting a company. We also go into how she juggles running a two Yes, two businesses. She's a serial entrepreneur. And ultimately, why self-belief is really important in the process of entrepreneurship. It's going to be a really great conversation. And as we get started, I'd love you to go ahead and hit subscribe for this podcast. Thank you, Sonal, again for giving your time. And here is the interview. I really want to get into... Um, how you started Canvas Cosmetics, because um, I know that you've had previous companies, you're a serial entrepreneur. So can you tell me about sort of these previous companies that you had? Okay, so I mean, in a nutshell, I um, so I went, I graduated in from UBC in Vancouver. Um, my whole kind of school schooling life before that was in Kenya, high school and you know prep school, and then I went to Vancouver, Canada for university. Like as soon as I graduated, uh, classmates and I started um, a really small marketing agency, and we were very naive and very young, but we were very ambitious. And um, as time kind of went. I started to look at home and coming back home and realizing that there's so much potential back in Kenya and in Africa in general. So because marketing was my background, I came back and um, we I opened an agency with my partner, um, who's now my fiance here. And so we started Canvas Media did that and that kind of was around six years ago as we kind of gained more experience and more insight into what's going on um canvas cosmetics was born and it was more it started more as a passion project Mm -hmm. before that we've kind of you know jumped on a number of different things Uh, we're both nutritionists as well so we had a whole weight loss brand and we actually have rescue book out so yeah, it's been fun jumping and, um, you know, just doing, getting our hands in a bunch of different things. Were you always sort of entrepreneurial growing up and where did it come from? Um, looking back, I mean, so my dad's my dad's family was always in business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think why I loved UBC and, and the sort of business school is it was very practical. So we were exposed to um, a lot of, you know, startups. And um, so just looking at, you know, how people built brands and, you know, scaled them up and did something really incredible mm-hmm. made me see that it's possible and it's possible to, you know, have something, have an idea and then see it through to something that could be um, A, used by everyone and then B, could be something that could be potentially bigger so for me it was never really appealing to think of myself in a corporate job and you know take 20 to 30 years to climb the corporate ladder Mm -hmm. 
funny story. I remember being in university and um, PepsiCo, mm-hmm. which came to our university, and they were obviously um, looking for applicants to interview. So I applied, and I was, you know, I was like, oh, it might be great to be part of such a well-known great company. Right. So when I got there, it was. Um, I remember going into. We had to interview with all these different people in each kind of section or each department, and I was interviewing with one guy, and I asked him, so how long does it take to become like CEO of such a big company? And he looked at me and he said, that'll be around 20 to 30 years. Mm. So from then on, I was like, I don't think I can do this, but to, you know, wait 30 years Mm -hmm. to get somewhere, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of the leadership position. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think, um, that's why entrepreneurship was very appealing to me. It's because it's very exciting Mm -hmm. and it's kind of, you, you have your path, it's your path is in your own hands. Mm -hmm. You have to want to, you know, be a risk taker somehow. Right. Um, but I felt I had the energy for that and I was built for that. So I wanted to really see something through. Right. I know you had Canvas Media for a while. So you decided to go sort of into digital media and branding soon after you came back and marketing. And how was that sort of starting starting that business uh, soon after you came back? When I kind of came back, I, kind of, I looked at the advertising space and for me what was missing was really was you know real branding real marketing like actual out of the box mm-hmm. um marketing strategies mm-hmm. so you drive past and you see all the billboards they're very very salesy that you know you don't connect to the brand and we just wanted to fill this gap that really made customers be able to relate to brands and enjoy them mm-hmm. and not look at it like you know they're really being you know a product being shoved into their face mm-hmm. so we kind of had this more of a boutique approach and it was combined with a lot of strategy and um, really sitting and taking like a um, personal approach to each each of our brands and each of our clients. Mm-hmm. It was challenging because you have to, you know, obviously change that mindset, especially right. in more bureaucratic, bigger industries or even, you know, with the older generation. Mm-hmm. It was a very fruitful time for social media. It's like the time that was really taking off, whether it was Instagram and, you know, all these platforms. So it was nice for us to be able to kind of pioneer those elements with our clients and um, you know create a path for them on, in, in terms of all these different mediums. Somewhere in there Canvas Cosmetics yeah. is born. So do you remember when the idea first hit you? So two things obviously I'm a girl that loves makeup. Mm-hmm. I always remember waiting to travel to um, buy all these all these cool brands that I always see. Right. Also you know I was always on Instagram. I loved following brands and to me the way the independent beauty brands were growing as opposed to the generic kind of more corporate beauty brands was very interesting mm-hmm. and I saw a huge there was like a huge gap because that didn't really exist here like you didn't really get access to international independent brands that were very current and mm-hmm. you know fun but also had like an international feel right so I mean it, it just kind of was born as a personal thing I wanted to create something that I would want and I would want to buy mm-hmm. and so yeah we just started researching brainstorming and then it took it took like a couple of years to kind of get it right and then we kind of soft launched like you know I just it was like more 
like a project and I was like, okay, let's just see how this does. Mm-hmm. But I think the most important thing that we really focused on, and you mentioned the lipsticks, was just trying to launch with something that was great. And yeah. so we really worked hard on the formulas mm-hmm. and made sure that, you know, we're not just um, a run-of-the-mill kind of brand. Yeah. We wanted to launch quite strong so that we could be taken seriously. Yes. Not just on a local level, but on an international level as well. Right. The motto is, you know, a beauty brand from Kenya to the world. So why beauty? And were you worried that the space was saturated in any way? Um, in a way, like you can, you know, when you look at the market, you can, there are obviously, there'll always be players in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, I think it's the way that you approach um, it was like you kind of approach the industry as a brand and mm-hmm. um, what you do differently and you know how how do you want to stand out yeah I think for us they at the time there weren't very many local brands that were really around they were a few mm-hmm. then I also felt that I wanted to create a brand like you said that was local but also had an international kind of appeal yes so for example if you think about yourself or you know, what is being Kenyan? And it's changed so much. And when you look at Kenya, if you sit in a restaurant, it's so diverse, you know, there's all t- people from all walks of life, different ethnicities, um, you know, experts. Like it's it's very, it's like become such a melting pot. It has. And I think, you know, that's for us being, you know, being born and raised here, you see that. And so it's not really the stereotypical what people think stereotypically of Kenya. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Nairobi, it's become a tech hub. Mm-hmm. Um, women are growing in their careers. You know, there are loads of startups. It's, it's really become like, you know, this great city where, you know, dreams can happen. Right. And I think subconsciously through our brand, we wanted to kind of show that and represent Nairobi in that way to the world, mm-hmm. um, which is why our tagline is, you know, it's our products are made for the undergo, the ambitious women. Right. And so the women that's, you know, waking up, getting ready to hustle, self-independent, educated, you know, she has dreams. And that's kind of what we are right now. So, right. and I felt like there was no brand that was representing that, you know, girls like that could relate to right. um, in the market. Yeah. You do have your big brands and, you know, you do have your supermarket brands and kind of like the bigger um, mass brands, but also having access to brands that were, you know, in stores like Sephora overseas and stuff was, you know, it, they were all unavailable. Right. So, yeah, we wanted to create something that, you know, had the same experience and women could relate to. The woman you described that represents your company, you walk down the street in Nairobi and you'll see her everywhere <laughs> today, right? And so because it is a local brand that has international appeal and reach, how has the local market received it? And then also how has the international market received it? So the local market has been amazing. Like I absolutely love our customers in, in Kenya. I think they've all just been super excited. And um, what we found actually is our customers retention rate is like over 70 percent so most of our customers are just waiting for us to release new things because they literally own everything we have i believe it (laughs) yeah it's so nice because for us that's like really promising Mm -hmm. 
And what I really love is like also the different pockets of women in Nairobi. Like mm. we appeal to all of them. Mm. So it's really, really nice. Like right now, you know, we're we're really celebrating Eid for, you know, our Muslim customers. Right. And, you know, we're doing great promotions and just, you know, we really also want to create a lot of positivity. But the beauty is we're able to relate to all our different pockets of customers. Right. And something else that has been even more important than just the marketing is making sure our products also serve our across the range customers. So it's not eliminating anyone or specific to one certain type of skin tone. Yes. We really try to make sure that there are colors for everyone so that, you know, everyone can feel like a part, they can use the brand and they're a part of the brand. I completely understand why you have the retention rate that you do. Quickly about the marketing, how are you sort of thinking about reaching this everyday woman who comes from so many different walks of life? Um, so I think the one thing um, my marketing experience taught me is, you know, the importance of growing organically. Yeah. So, you know, you have the option of, you know, launching with a bang and, you know, really heavy on advertising, paid ads and, you know, um, paying influencers and all these things. Mm-hmm. But for us, it was very, very important to have people that really were customers. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, your numbers aren't really anything unless they're your customers. Right. So where are your markets outside of Kenya? We, we were planning, to, we've kind of self-launched in the UAE and the UK. Mm-hmm. We're lucky enough because, you know, our logistics are quite big. Um, we definitely, we have like warehouses and both so we're able to ship online very easily Great. to anyone um, within those areas. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dubai's kind of always been second home for my partner and I, like we go there a lot and we have to, you know, we're already building a network there when we were in the marketing space. Mm-hmm. So it just made sense. What we decided to do was kind of introduce, like soft launch the product there as well. And the great thing was because of the way we built Canvas Cosmetics, it was very relatable as well. So we have a lot, like currently we have a lot of amazing girls and bloggers in Dubai that genuinely love our product. And, um, you know, they always use it. And whenever, you know, and that's totally unconditional. Mm-hmm. They can relate to A as like, you know, our story of being a brand and how we grew. They can relate to myself as, you know, a female entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And then they can relate to the shape, the quality, the packaging and the feel of the brand. Um, so for us, it was always part of our vision to have Kenya as the first place to get access to what we had and then the rest of the world. Because then that's the benefit of being Kenyan. For example, our concealers launched and for the first time, they're only available in Kenya and the rest of the world is waiting. So all our, like our UK audience and um, our our Dubai customers are still waiting to receive the concealers. Right. So it's usually the other way around. We're um, the ones usually hungrily (laughs) waiting. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's also something that's been huge in our company values is really, you know, taking the time to get to know um, your customers. And obviously, even when we launched in the UK, uh, in the UAE, we, I made sure to personally, you know, meet um, all these different women. We formed great relationships. And so now we're actually like all the best of friends. Mm-hmm. And that's what's meaningful because then they can relate to your brand in more than a way that's 
it's it's in, in a deeper way so that they actually you know feel something when they're using it or wearing it and feel like they need to share it yeah and that's what's been very very helpful and um very great for us basically and what i'm hearing from you is yes the social yes there's all these sort of marketing strategies but there's nothing more important than being personal with your customers meeting yeah. your customer you know, i was I, I was really when um when i did go buy my first uh, lipstick from you guys and i think it was the kakahawa isn't the one i always buy um i met your business partner but i remember he, he said you just stepped away and in my mind i was thinking oh she's here and i don't know why that surprised me um and i've seen you since in different sort of pop-ups in and around the city but you're there meeting and talking to your customers and consistently and constantly and so why is why is that it's kind of obvious but why is that important yeah, no, I think it's super important to really humble yourself and, you know, be present. I think it's such a it's such a joy as well because when you're actually on the ground, you know what your customers are doing, what your customers are saying. So for me, and obviously as a founder, the founders are usually, the, it's kind of like your baby at the beginning. So yeah. you're probably the most um, person to accurately, you're the best person to accurately describe what your brand's all about. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, rather than, you know, you don't want to hire, you know, a couple of sales girls for the day. And then when someone's asking about your story, they're not really sure. And you have to do that because, A, you know, you want to be approachable as a brand. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be, you know, some sorry brand where people message and they never get a reply. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, then they, so you want to create, you know, you want to break down that wall and really have a personalized relationship with them. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, we are a young company and you know you can't you can't think you know it all mm-hmm. you have to listen to your customers when right. you know what's working what are they liking what do they want and when you develop from that and you know from your customer feedback and your on the ground experience it makes you more efficient and successful as a brand and i think also the product is good guys the product is so good <laughs> it's just isn't every time someone says that i'm like smiling no the product is good and what did it take to actually let's use the lipsticks as an example to actually create the formulas that are this good you are new to this world so how did you even start with trying to figure that out you know you obviously want to work with people who really know what they're doing right so for us, it was important to, you know, find some of the best people in the world to work with. And it comes at a price, mm-hmm. but it's worth it because for me, I didn't want to start something that was just a fad. Yes. Um, I wanted to start something that was very sustainable and, you know, could grow over time. And knowing the fact that we're not, we weren't starting as, you know, like a lot of brands are started based off of whether you're kind of like, a really known um, figure on social media or like you're able to, you know, kind of convert your existing followers and, you know, they've been following you for something and then you're able to introduce a product that represents you. So for us, we started kind of from scratch as like a brand Mm -hmm. that wasn't based on a personality or, you know, one one specific type of person. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to build this brand that was just known for its name, known for the products and known that to be like every girl could kind of feel like it was theirs. Mm-hmm. 
So we really invest time in terms of the formulas and we do work with some of the best um, labs in the world mm-hmm. because living in Africa, we took things into account, whether it's heat and different skin types right. and, you know, um, the, just the climate of life here. So it took time to get all this done. Mm-hmm. Um I'm very, I'm like a perfectionist. So mm-hmm. when it came to things like packaging and branding, we kind of didn't launch anything until it was 100%. Mm-hmm. So it took time, but um, I'm, glad it, I'm glad we kind of were patient about it. And I, w- I want to talk about something you talked about, um, the amount of investment that went into making sure the product was good. What do you have to say about the willingness to spend a little bit more, whether it's money or even time or sweat equity in ensuring the best product? I think it's, it's, it's obviously very important, but the one thing people have to realize is that consumers nowadays are cleverer than you think. I mean, they have access to so much information mm-hmm. and, you know, trying to kind of um, play them or play your customer doesn't really work in this day and age. Mm-hmm. And so you know, to protect your brand and if you are doing something in terms of, you're not doing it for a quick buck, but you're actually doing it for the long term because you genuinely want to build something that you feel, you know, you really believe in. Mm-hmm. It's really important to have that patience and also to know that essentially cheap is expensive. Right. So <laughs> like any brand and any successful brand that you look at, the quality is, you know, is very important. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, like, you know, for us, I mean, our lipsticks retail at 1,900 shillings, and I know it's obviously not the cheapest in the market. But what our customers are starting to realize is they understand that, you know, it's not going to make their lips darker or harm their lips in any way. Mm-hmm. And they also then have this great brand experience that comes with it, um, and they're able to really connect to it so for us instead of trying to focus on bringing down the price of things Mm -hmm. we focused on building up the value of our brand and what we could offer our customers and that in turn you know they see that cut back they see that and then they don't even question Mm -hmm. things like a few hundred shillings more and you know the next lipstick that's you know being sold for a little bit less you've mentioned the times we're in what was it like for you guys uh, when in March, basically, when things really started to slow down? And how have you been managing since? It's actually been a very interesting time for us. And um, we've actually been, we've had a few highs during this time, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of months back, we were, just, we were kind of considering, oh, should we kind of look at things like retail space and all this? Um, but we've always been very heavier online. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of grown a very good customer base online. So I think that really helped us because for a lot of businesses that got hit with this time, they weren't prepared to have a digital kind of element with to have like with a strong digital element to their business or their brand. Mm-hmm. And for us, it was kind of something that already was already there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, it's it's the going back to the whole thing that we decided to grow very very organically. So mm-hmm. basically, all the people that follow us are actually real customers. I mean, okay, we were initially we didn't know what was going to happen. Like, you don't know how this time will affect you. We couldn't things like pop ups, or we couldn't do things like sampling. Um, we actually 
kind of took back a lot of our products from retailers just because we weren't sure about the time and you know mm-hmm. hygiene and all of that mm-hmm. but then we kind of started to see an increase in sales and i think that was because people didn't really have access to you know ordering international brands online and getting them here and they also had a lot of a lot more time to see what was going on online so we started to do things like speak a lot more to our customers mm-hmm. um we have a really great database and a whole, you know, a whole um, web and backend is very savvy. Mm-hmm. So we started to use that to connect to our, to our customers. And then the interesting thing is uh, we were, we were really delayed in terms of launching our conceivers. Mm-hmm. So I remember sitting with my partner and saying, look, it's been, you know, we're two months late. Um, what do we do? And we just said, look, let's just let's just launch and see how it goes. Mm-hmm. So actually, and you know, in the middle of all this, we decided to launch this line. Mm-hmm. And what was super interesting was that it was really a hit. And these are these are complexion products that normally women need to really try them, yeah, test them out, um, test them out, and try them. And we thought, okay, you know, a lipstick, you know, it's a red. Okay, mm-hmm. you'll buy it. Or if you know the other lipsticks, you can buy it online. Mm-hmm. So for us, we really didn't know how this would go. But, but like surprisingly, it was such a hit. And what we decided to do was make information, give more information to make it easier for the customer to make choices. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what you know, our team has been working on, making it really easy. And it, we're very, you know, a lot of people want to order online now. They, they don't want to get up. A lot of people are at home. Yes. And so it, we just made it easier to, for them to get access to all these products. So it's been great for us in terms of, our sales and you know being able to get new customers because now they're willing you know a they probably don't have access to their international products or b they have more time to kind of try and test or even just you know treat themselves with smaller purchases right. so i mean who doesn't want to buy like you know makeup mm-hmm. obviously it's for me it's the the challenge which i, I love a challenge i love a good challenge mm-hmm. um has been okay what next we were actually meant to launch you know our international expansion has slowed down yes um being able to ship to certain areas we've not we've had to say say no so there have been elements that have slowed down and even you know in terms of our, our kind of release plan yeah of our all our products has been slightly delayed but i think it's very important to just embrace what's going on and you know to test your leadership skills and your entrepreneurial skills to see how you know you as a brand can pivot adjust and most importantly sustain yourself as a business during this time yeah because really this time forces you to see what's working and what isn't working and i think also in your case what it was is all that customer loyalty you've been building over the last few years it's showing up because who is willing to try a concealer without trying it out? I trust the brand and I trust what they offer, which just says so much about the work that you guys have already put in all these years. It seems like you came out fully formed, right? If you told me that you had worked for L'Oreal or LVMH or something, and then you decided to move home and start your own beauty line, I would have said that makes sense. What were the hard parts of putting this business together? Um, it's definitely not, I mean, any entrepreneurship or leadership journey has its ups and downs. So there are days you're like, you know, 
pulling your hair out and you, like you know everything seems very frustrating mm-hmm. and uh, I feel like you know obviously well, most people like, like really only see the successful part of it and you know the beautiful things but there's definitely a lot of blood sweat and tears behind it all yeah. um, I mean one of the things is we're such a we're in this world of instant gratification that sometimes it's I think it is hard to be patient and know that things take time um, and that's something that you know I've been frustrated with in the past but then obviously you know you, you actually understand the meaning of slowly having to take the time to build something up mm. I mean some of the best brands in the world were built over a period of 40 years I mean if you're looking at brands in the same industry right so it's definitely having this patience and and base your element of success on you know reaching a certain level mm. um so i think when you're in it you're always looking to climb higher and higher mm-hmm. but then you need to kind of take a step back and look at how far you've come you know being a leader in this brand you always want to push the company forward and try and reach higher and higher heights but so i, I really you know i've learned over time to really have that balance of you know being really satisfied with where we are now and um, and that's tough because there's never um, any markers in this particular race called entrepreneurship, right? Sometimes yeah. it's hard to tell if you're on track, if you're off track, as in as the numbers often tell you, and also depending exactly. on your goals. <laughs> but, but really, sometimes it's hard to tell if you're making progress. And so I... And most of the time, there's never really anyone to tell you exactly. how you're doing. Right. it's such a weird kind of path you're on. Like sometimes they say it's lonely because you're always in your own head and you have these ambitions and you really, like, you know, you spend a lot of time trying to reach your own kind of ambition. And like you said, no one's on this path with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's really important to be very like headstrong but also to to be to believe in yourself Mm. and know that you know you're going to get where you want to and just have that kind of that faith in yourself that's unwavering um obviously because there'll be bumps in the road along the way did you always have that sense of self-belief that it might look like choppy waters but i know i know i trust my instinct in this case have you always had that yeah, I think I have. I've always known that I want to do something great. Mm-hmm. And you know, even right out of university, like I didn't know what it was and I didn't know what was the thing that would make, like that thing that in my eyes would make me successful or make me great. But I knew that there's this path that you know you have to go on and it's obviously whether it's just grabbing every opportunity that comes your way and then really assessing you know what's working and what's not mm-hmm. um so yeah ever since i decided on entrepreneurship i decided that i want to build something and i want it to be successful mm. and i understand you know it takes a minimum of ten thousand hours or more um and you have to put in the hard work mm-hmm. and so that's kind of my like i've always been a very hard-working diligent person mm-hmm. so how do you juggle your ambition with the businesses and also your personal life so really, like I'm really like we're really lucky that I work with my parents and I work together. So we obviously have, you know, an additional connection or something that we can relate to. That's being like 
kind of building um, this business together. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. I think I've put work first. Like work has been a majority um, of my life for the past five years. But I think because of the support system we both have, it's been um, it's been catered to. So there's apart from work in terms of my personal life, there haven't been so many demands in that sense of the word. Mm-hmm. Um, we definitely do try to do things like taking weekends. I mean, okay, well, with your phone, you know, there's never a time that your phone will off. <laughs> yeah. There's always something happening. Right. But trying to, you know, trying to be more aware and taking, you know, days like Sundays to really focus on other things in life that you want to do. Mm-hmm. But I think, like, for me, work and, and you know, that ambition has what has kept me happy and, and in that fire inside me. So I always the most satisfied going home knowing that you know it's been a great day and we've achieved something really cool yeah and then going home and just kind of you know running a bubble bath or or doing you know um hanging hanging out with my parents and um my dogs and and, you know just really kind of relaxing yeah but I think being an entrepreneur it's like it's like borderline obsession like you it's you're never not thinking about your business you can't turn it off and it's not necessarily a bad thing but it's difficult to switch off when it's your own company Mm -hmm. because like you said I mean there's no kind of stop you have to find a way that you know you're able to continue to think like that but it doesn't affect you like in terms of high stress levels or anxiety or you know um being able to turn away to have a meal with your phone away and you know really focus on what the person in front of you is saying so i think it's just meant to be having a balance you don't really have to have a physical balance but just knowing how to kind of maintain an equilibrium inside you that's able to kind of you know include different parts of your life now that you've been in this entrepreneurial world for some time, what is sort of two pieces of advice that you would give the Sonal that had just graduated from UBC? What advice would you give her? I think it's, yeah, I think I would have, I think the main thing is like, you know, when you're young and, you know, you're like in five years, I'll be this big, and, yeah. you know, we'll be here and, you know, we'll be international and, you know, we'll be, um, you know, fortune 500 basically but i think it's you know really understanding that things do take time and you know everything is a building block Mm. so i would tell myself be patient Mm. like success is steady is a steady kind of journey Mm -hmm. and i wouldn't really change anything i think i would I would I just maybe to enjoy each part, you know, like every time you have a little success, celebrate it. Yeah. And, you know, the bigger ones will come, but don't wait for something massive um, to tell yourself you've done something good. Mm. That's 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 really important. As you know, this, this show is called I Have No Idea What I'm Doing. And we talk about the things yeah. we didn't know when we were starting businesses. Uh, and I thought, you know what, why not go the other direction. I know what I'm doing. Uh, And I want to talk to you for a few minutes about one thing that you're really, really like good at, like you never have to question uh, your instincts when doing it. So if I was to ask you, Sonal, what's one thing you're really good at? uh, What would you say? Well, I think my answer would be work uh, related. 
I think it's something I feel like I'm proud of myself mm-hmm. for. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's okay. I think that it's a couple of things kind of combined. Um, the first one is the ability to take certain risks that are calculated. Like, so I'm able to kind of calculate certain things. I mean, even just starting something like this brand, it was something that I just felt more instinctively mm-hmm. to start rather than having to wait for validation. Mm. Um, so. I feel like that's, you know, my, my ability to create and, you know, come like foresee, foresee things and kind of have an instinctive, um, to do things instinct, instinctively in business. I think that's been really great for me. Mm. Um, and so yeah, can you, can you I show, think, can you give me an example of like how, I know with the businesses, of course, like just the idea of yeah. putting them together. But can you give me a more like specific example? For example, like, I mean, even if it comes to things like our packaging and we've, we've everything has been done in-house um, and we've relied on, you know, our own instincts. Obviously, we're an agency and we have this, but never really relying on other people to, to say before it's released that, you know, oh, this is a great idea or, you know, don't do it like this. We've kind of just gone for it and mm. because we feel something that we all personally feel, you know, looks great and feels great and, you know, we kind of understand what we feel like people would like. Mm. Um, so I think it's my ability to kind of see, creatively see things um, before they happen right. and then build something out of that yeah execute it you know because we we all can all have ideas that we think are good but to then also prove it to be correct um is 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 something else actually the ability to kind of be you know i'm i'm able to go go with the flow so like i feel like i have a goal Mm -hmm. um but then you know obviously different factors come into play whether it's world events or yeah and i without like i I rather i'm able to kind of buckle down and you know focus and see how we can adjust and flow as a company Mm -hmm. rather than you know um really stressing about the change of plan the change of direction Mm -hmm. So I think that's what's made us very agile and able to like really grab opportunities as a brand. And when you were talking about the ability to take measured risk, it's not that you're will jump off a bridge without a parachute, but you will jump off the bridge if well, it's basically saying you're not sure if the parachute will will launch, but you're willing to jump. I think yeah, I think I jump off the bridge if I knew that I could fly the parachute. Right. And not everyone can see that you have a parachute. Let's say that. Right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, you have to I mean, yeah, you're right about that. Yeah. I mean, not everyone can see it, but not everyone can see the landing. I think I'd put yes. it that way. Not everyone can see where they're landing. Yes. Um, but if you know you have the ability to kind of navigate something that could take you anywhere, mm-hmm. you should have that much faith that, you know, whatever's in your hands, you can you, you have faith that you know how to kind of manipulate and control in terms of being in your favor. Excellent. Thank you for playing with my metaphor there. Um, um, This was a really great interview. Thank you for sharing uh, your wisdom, your mistakes, things that have worked out and just being open about what it's taken to build what is definitely a brand that 
has arrived, but also still on its way up in many ways, because I can just really see this growing into such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful brand with great products. So thank you so much for your time today. And I look forward to trying more and seeing more of what you have coming out in the future. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. So many lessons from this interview. I loved it. My biggest takeaway is what Sonal had said about being patient with herself and her company, especially in this time of instant gratification. I'm always looking for instant results from the work I'm putting in and learning that this is a process and this is going to take time has been really key for me and what she said really hit home for me. You can connect with Canvas Cosmetics at www.canvascosmetic.com. All the links to the company and Sonal's social media and website, all that good stuff will be in the show notes. So take a look at that. Finally, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast if you like what you're hearing. And this conversation actually continues in the private Facebook group for this podcast where we connect and share about doing business as African women. In fact, if you liked last week's Money Matters episode, the one about the seven signs that you don't know how to handle your money, if you like that episode, I've I've included a really great worksheet that I created to help you start your own journey around financial literacy that is found exclusively to the Facebook group. So go ahead and check the show notes for the link to that join and you can access the worksheet and all the other really great uh, podcast notes and information. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. Have a great week. So be it. See to it. I'll see you next time.